We're going to be in the book of Jeremiah this morning, um, chapter 9. If you want to turn there, or we'll have it up on the screens. Um, today um, is the day before the week when school starts for most of our elementary, middle school, high school, all that stuff. So I know a lot of our families have been like reluctantly shifting that gear, maybe some eagerly, I don't really know. Um, So I know a lot of that preparation is going on. Um, Tomorrow morning, if you want to come at 7, we have an opportunity at Twin Oaks to help transition kids from off the buses and get them to their first, like get them to their classrooms and stuff. They just are like, hey, if y'all can bring extra helpers. And so I know, I know everyone isn't available at that time, um, but we could certainly use the help. It's a great opportunity to meet parents and kids and faculty and all that kind of stuff and get to serve that community. Uh, those of you who will be bringing your own kids or getting your own kids there on the first day, you know how crazy that can be. And uh, so we're going to close our service uh, with a time of prayer specifically for all of our, our students, all of our teachers and stuff. Um, but in just praying about what, coming out of a John 15 summer, what, uh, where are we headed next? And um, today is sort of a, a kind of on its own kind of thing. And really just kind of standing on the outset of a semester uh, was brought back to this passage. I preached through it a couple of years ago. Um, and in Jeremiah, or the book of Jeremiah is set in a setting that is maybe not too unlike our own. Uh, now Israel, that's, they're God's people. Okay. America, not necessarily God's people. Okay. So I know that those are, they're different in that regard. Um, but in Israel, they had, uh, their leaders were not great. Um, the powerful and wealthy continued to, uh, oppress and suppress the poor and the marginalized. Um, and so the haves, would basically just keep pushing the have-nots to the side. Um, And so you had a lot of power, you had a lot of poverty, you had um, a ton of idolatry. And so even though they were God's people, they continued to worship these fake gods from the surrounding nations. And so they would worship uh, a god that was carved into a tree stump, or they would worship the sun, or if an eagle flew over, they worshiped the eagle or whatever. Um, but at the same time, they also would go into worship Yahweh, like, like our, our God. And so they were really inconsistent in their worship. They were, there's just a lot of idolatry, but then they would go into a, a setting uh, to worship God and act like nothing was wrong, acting like there was nothing at all wrong at all. And so Jeremiah is addressing a, a lot of this all through his, uh, his uh, prophetic writing and basically saying like, hey, you, you don't understand what's going on. Like, you need to, you need to understand the, the, the offense that it is to the Lord that you continue to worship other gods. Uh, you need to understand who he is and who you are and who he has made you to be. There's this incredible love and commitment to you, and yet you continue to do all this other stuff. It's just a weird situation. And, and really, we're kind of in a weird context as well, right? Like, we have some of the same things. We have very questionable leadership. We have, um, the, we have the poor being marginalized, constantly pushed to the sides, tons of injustice all around us. There's a, so much idolatry, and it, it isn't 
It isn't like necessarily people bowing down to a statue, but there's idolatry of of ourselves and of our money and of our stuff that we have and of celebrities and whatever. You know, there's just all kind, just all the same kinds of things. And so what Jeremiah is telling them is not super different than I think what God would also say to us um, in terms of like, hey, this is the reality of the situation. So we're just going to look at 23 and 24 in chapter 9. Thus, that, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight declares the Lord. I think there are places in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, where God is like, he's, he's rough on them and deservedly. But this is one of those places where uh, there are so many ways that he could have delivered this message, but it seems to have uh, a tenderness to it and a compassion to it. And perhaps that's just the tone that I read it in, you know. But if we look at what he's saying, he's, He's really like he's calling them out of something destructive and into something beautiful. Um, so look at the, look at the first verse again. Um, let not, this 23, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Okay, now he's not saying these things are inherently bad. He's not saying that wisdom is bad, that might is bad that riches are bad. The problem is the, is the boasting. That's the, that's the issue. It's, the, it's, it's their relationship to those things and the connection that they have to them. Um, boasting means, uh, like that word in Hebrew, it's used to talk about praising, um, exalting, and relying. Those are kind of the three different like, ways that it can go. And it kind of pulls all those really into one word. That when you boast in something, it's not just like, you're not just like bragging, you know. You're, you're boasting, you're exalting it above everything else. You're praising it and you're relying on it. And so talking about wisdom or might or riches, that those things are not meant to be exalted above God, that those things are not meant to be relied on, that those things are just things. And if your relationship to them is not a healthy one, you're going to boast in it. You're going to rely on it and exalt it because we were built to exalt. Like God formed us and made us to be worshipers and, and exalters. I don't know if that's a word or not, but I, it is now. Exalters of him. And so it's, it's in us. We have this, like it's this natural motion of our lives to put something as greater as something that carries more weight, more exaltation, more reliance. We're what's in us to know there's something bigger than us. That's why there are so many world religions. That's why you go all, all the way back through time and people and people groups are always finding something to exalt. 
And so at various points, they're able to look around and say, something bigger than us is sending the rain for the crops. Something greater than us is bringing the sun uh, for half the day and moon for half the day. And they maybe didn't understand, you know, astronomy and uh, all the things about, all the things that we know now, but they knew something is bigger than us. And so there's this natural tendency to lift something higher. It just gets misplaced. It's a part of our brokenness that we carry and so it was misplaced. And so you had wise men boasting in their wisdom. And those words were, it can mean kind of a group of things. It can mean like the skill of a craftsman, you know? Like, you know, those people in your, in your life who are, if you're like, hey, I need to build a tree house. There's some that would be like, let me go download some PDF plans from the internet. And there's other people who are just, I'm gonna run by and pick up some lumber. We'll figure it out as we go. Like that's more of the wisdom of just kind of knowing how to, construct something or how to build something it it could be people who are wise and that they just kind of always know what to do in a situation you know those those people those are the ones that you call they're like i have no idea what to do here and they're like oh we'll do this this call this person do this whatever um and just general knowledge and understanding it's gonna be the people that you want on your trivia team you know and so what happens is when when if you are wise or someone else is wise, there is this tendency to find this exaltation and this reliance upon those people or maybe your, yourself. Um, talks about the mighty man boasting in his might. This could be physical strength. It could be uh, like the military, um, like someone who is a, like a warrior, someone who is very brave, someone who had a lot of valor, someone who is a great athlete, those kinds of things. It's about finding this reliance in that kind of might or riches. We obviously know what riches is. It's not only the someone that has like money and possessions, but it's also with that always comes power of some sort. And so again, the problem isn't those things. It's the connection to them. So Jeremiah is not saying you should never, you should not try to gain any sort of wisdom. You should never take care of your body and you should never try to accumulate wealth or any sort of like financial stability. Yeah, that's not what he's saying. As those things are happening in their world, they were exalting them too much. They were boasting in them. Israel had got caught in this rut. And we too can get caught in ruts like that. We too love wisdom, right? We love information. We can't stand to be uninformed. Some of you are old enough to remember the day when it was just okay if you didn't know something. Remember that? Remember when it was just, you like wondered so where someone was and you were just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'll see him at school tomorrow, maybe. I don't know. Your friend would miss a couple of days of school. And you're like, hey, where, where you been? And now they have groups of friends that all track each other on their phones which I think is super weird. Maybe that's because I'm Gen X, but I think that's really weird. <laughs> we like to know those kinds of things. We like to know information. I was at a trivia thing, not our trivia thing, several months ago. And it was one of the trivia times where you're at these tables and you would write your answer on a piece of paper and you'd bring it up to the trivia master. And so <laughs> they would write their answer, bring it up there. And instead of waiting 20 seconds... 
for the trivia master to get all the answers and say the answer. They're on their phones looking up the answer to it. Do we get it right? Do we get it right? Do we get it right? And if you feel like I'm calling you out, I am. It was really weird to watch. (laughs) But I think that that's like, that is kind of like our overstimulated culture though. We cannot stand to wait. We don't like to not know something. We have to figure out, did I get it right? Did I get it right? Did I get it right? Do you guys remember the day when you would take a, like a test and turn it in and you might not hear for weeks. And now there's so much instant stuff that's like right there. It's just, it's just, it's a cultural thing. I'm not like making fun of anyone. Here's a weird thing about me. I will sit there. I'm probably the worst person to watch a movie with because I will sit there and someone will come on the screen. I'm like, I know him. Where do I know him from? IMDb. Pull up the app. Look up that movie. Look up that actor, find out who it is. What was he in? What was he? Oh, yeah, he was in that. I wonder where he was born. I'm looking where he was born. And I'm like, whoa, his uncle was in the Beastmaster? Like, that's crazy. Like, I'm learning all these trivia facts about this person. Then I've lost 10 minutes of the movie and I have to come back and watch more. We live in this really weird world where information and wisdom, it's just ours all the time. And it's created this expectation for us. It's just strange. And so we have this thirst for knowledge and we consume it like never before in history. Again, not saying that it's bad, just saying if we're not careful. We can exalt that. We can boast in that. Same thing with might. I mean, the vanity of our day and age is just unbelievable. How we look, how we're perceived, this obsession over appearance and doing whatever it takes to look cool. It's not new, but it's still very much present with us. Same thing with riches. We're trained consumers. We have grown up at the mercy of the advertisers. And sometimes that ends with us living at the very top of our means and maybe beyond it. And then we champion that in each other. And it's like, oh, you got this? Cool, I got this. And have you got this yet? And comparison wins out. And next thing you know, we're, we're in debt. We're insecure, we're end up with things we don't need and things we can't afford. But our boasting can go beyond those categories too. In wisdom, might, riches, but we could keep adding things in there where we maybe just inadvertently and subtly and sometimes just without even realizing it, you're like, whoa, I, my life is so out of order because I'm relying and exalting these things, these people, or these things that I am just naturally good at. And then I wonder why my life doesn't quite look like I thought it should. Israel was in this loop where this was happening over and over and over again. And what was happening is God was being sinned against they were not being transformed and the world around them was not being loved. And that's kind of what ends up happening when we get stuck in that trap of exalting the wrong things. What's weird about boasting is that a little bit of it makes you crave more. And so we end up just with more and more and more consumption of whatever it is that we're boasting in. And really, I could probably spend plenty of time talking about all the things in verse 23. I think, I think you know, I think you can catch on to it. 
Let the wise man not boast in his wisdom. Let the mighty man not boast in his might. Let the rich man not boast in his riches. Let you not boast in whatever you are boasting in. For verse 24, that's where I say he's inviting them out of something without crushing them, without yelling at them, without like blazing wrath all over them. It's just like this invitation into something else. I'm not saying there are places when he does those other things, but this is not one of them. Look at 24, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. How simple is that? Let him who boasts, which is going to be all of us, we are created to boast. He says, so if you're going to boast, then boast in this. What is the this? It's the that he understands and knows me. At the, at the core of a healthy relationship, you're going to find that someone is known and they're understood. Like those are core components. Not the only core components, but that's in there. Like the, the people in your life who are your people, it's because they know you, like they know, they can read you. They know, they know your face. They know what that face means or what that face means or what that face means. They know your tone. They know when you leave town. They know when you're coming back to town. They know what's going on at work. They know what's going on at home. But also they understand you. Like you, you work hard in a relationship to get someone to understand you. And once they do, you just can kind of relax into it a little bit. To be known and understood. And so God has made a way for us to know and understand him. That's the invitation. Now, back then, they had a harder time because Jesus had not come yet. He had not, as Sam demonstrated for us this morning, he had not died for their sins and then rose again, leaving the sins behind to walk in the newness of life and then invited them into it and filled them with this spirit. Like that had not happened yet. We, however, are able to know and understand God because Jesus, the word, became flesh and dwelt among us. Like he shows us what God looks like. He shows us the heart of God. He shows us the attitude of God, the countenance of God, the Everything that we need to know about God is shown to us. And because of the cross and the resurrection and the sending of the spirit, we too can walk in that. So we can know him not only with our minds, we can know him interpersonally, relationally. We can know him and we can understand him because of what Jesus has done. This above everything else, in your life, in my life, this is worthy of boasting. It's just this. Like our wisdom, our money, our accomplishments, our whatever, they play a role in our lives. But it's not the boasting and exaltation. It's not the reliance. It's not not that 
that we get to know and understand our creator, our father. That is what we lift above everything else. That is worthy of boasting. And that, that's why we are trying to figure out how to structure our lives around that boasting to order our lives to reflect that that is like, that's the most boast worthy thing in our lives. And let the other things find their right place once that one has found its right place. And even at the outset of a school year, you know, you're, you're reestablishing or establishing rhythms for your life and your home. I know not everyone has kids in school, but a lot of you do, and the people that you love do. And there's kind of this like fresh start kind of feels like, you know. And these are the times when it's so healthy to say, like, I, I, I want to make sure I'm boasting in the right things, in the right ways, with the only real worthy one being reflected in how our home is structured, how my life is structured, how my to-do list is structured, how my the, the way that my day breaks up, how I spend my time, how I spend my money, like all those things need to be like shaped by the one boastworthy thing in my entire life. And these boastings, they just deepen the longer you walk with the Lord. And what happens is all the other stuff gets realigned. So even taking his examples here that Jeremiah uses, wisdom, might, riches, um, when we are boasting in the, in the fact that we can know and understand the Lord. The wisdom that we pursue is the wisdom of heaven. It's not the wisdom that the world offers around us. And so how you pursue school and how you pursue learning how to do different things or how to approach different situations and all that, it's you're asking for God to show you and to help you because you want the wisdom of heaven, not the wisdom the earth has to offer us. Not even that the wisdom of the earth is always wrong. It's just, it's not as right 100% of the time like God's will be. And so our pursuit of wisdom changes our, that means that we not only understand what to do, but we start to understand ourselves better. You know, the Bible never really pushes us to understand ourselves. It's to understand the image that, of the one we were created in. He's like, understand me, and then you'll understand yourself and the people around you. I'm not saying there's, we shouldn't try to understand ourselves. I'm just saying like the, like, what are you giving more energy to? What, what is the, what's the more aggressive pursuit in your life to know and understand the Lord or to know and understand yourself or other people? It changes that stuff. It changes our relationship to might whether that's the pursuit of vanity or uh, how others perceive us or any of those kinds of things. It changes our, our relationship to money where money stops being what it is in our world and starts being a way that, that God provides jobs so that our needs are met. And from that, we can meet the needs of other people. And he's built rhythms of giving and generosity into our community in order to like help train us in that. And when we are exalting him and boasting in him, how we relate to money changes. How we relate to might 
changes how we relate to wisdom changes how we relate to everything gets changed in the process all those idols and broken cisterns they lose their power as boasting takes over now god might seem a little bit too vast to just know and understand you know that's such an easy thing to preach you just need to know and understand the lord everything will work out okay cool I almost feel like there are times in the Bible where God's like, hey, I know that seems like a lot. So let me give you, let me summarize myself for you. Boast in, boast in this, that you know and understand me. And you're like, okay, that sounds great, but that's a lot. And he's like, let me, let me get specific. Look, look at what he says. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight. God seems like a lot. Okay, let's think of him in, in, in three different senses. Love, not just any love, steadfast love. Like agape love that you don't have to earn. It's just there, always. That I am, that God is here loving. That God is here bringing justice. Okay, that... That God is is recognizing where wrong things are happening, and He is step like stepping in to like set those things right. And He's bringing righteousness. Righteousness is when action is consistent with holiness. Righteousness means that you're doing what you would do if sin had never broken you. That's righteousness. And so God is like, okay, here's what I'm doing in the earth. Love, justice, righteousness. You want to know and understand me? Just start to, to notice all the ways those things show up. And when you see them show up, that's me. And when you find places where those things are not showing up, that's proof, proof, that the gospel is something that spreads and changes and morphs and grows. That is something that uh, has not yet reached everyone yet. And that the way he brings those things to the earth are through his people and through the scriptures, through the spirit empowering our efforts and empowering God's words to go and to change the world. And so if, if you are like, okay, I want to I wanna get this, like I want to get this right, like I want to boast in him, to know him, to understand him, that I get to do that, that's exalted above everything else. How do I, how do, I do that? How do I find love, justice, righteousness? Well, the, the way that you boast in something is you, you connect yourself to it, like you join, you join it. We spent several weeks talking about the vine and the branches and how they're, they're like connected to one another. And that's, that is how we understand the boasting in the Lord. That's how we understand and know the love and the justice and the righteousness is that we connect to him and we, we become a part of it. And so it's the kind of thing where you're like, okay, I'm gonna try to bring steadfast love to my workplace. If you're teachers in the room, you're saying, I'm gonna try to bring steadfast love to the teacher's lounge. 
you're a student, I'm going to try to bring steadfast love to my classmates. I'm going to study how Jesus does it, and I'm going to try to just embody that, and I'm just going to do that. And by doing that, I think I'll understand it more. I'm going to look for ways, I'm going to look for injustice and say, how can I step in and bring justice to a situation? I'm going to look for the kids in my class that are picked on or made fun of, the ones who are not included in things, and I'm going to bring them close to me. I'm going to be in the teacher's lounge. I'm going to go with the whole school metaphor, if you don't mind. I'm going to go in the teacher's lounge, and when the other teachers are bashing some kid or their parents, I'm going to not just quietly exit. I'm definitely not going to join in. Uh, I'm going to stand up for them. I'm going to say something. I'm going to bring righteousness to my campus. I'm going to bring righteousness in my home. I'm going to bring righteousness to my neighbors. I'm going to bring righteousness wherever I go. The people are going to see this is what life would have looked like if sin had never broken us. And I can't do it by myself. So how in the world is that ever going to happen? Well, it's because we're going to just exalt him. We're going to boast in him. We're going to seek to know and understand him by engaging in those things and learn from him and let him train us and show us and let him do things for us that we cannot do on our own. Dallas Willard calls that grace. God doing for you what you cannot do by your own effort. And so Jesus is inviting us through this text out of, in, like, out of misplaced boasting into correctly placed boasting that will exalt the Lord and transform us and transform and change our whole world. That you teachers can be missionaries on your faculty and to your kids and to their parents. That students, you can be missionaries in your school. And if you're sitting here thinking, what about me? I'm retired. Your, your mission has not ended. What about me? I'm not, I'm not a teacher. I just work in an office. Get, get, same thing. It applies to all of us, all of us, all of us, all the time. And so you might find yourself in, in there somewhere. You might find yourself kind of like, man, I think my, my boastings have gotten out of order. Keep in mind that Jesus just invites you to change it and just say, I, I want this to be different. Will you help me? That's all that has to happen. You don't, you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops or to go take a special class. You just pray to him and tell him that you desire this and ask for his help and be ready to walk obediently into it. And so I know it's just two verses, but I think there's a lot to them. And I think we can find ourselves in there in different ways. And so if you're here for the first time or kind of the first couple of times, what we like to do here is just give you a chance to kind of just like sit in that for a little bit um, before we just jump right into whatever is next in the day. Um, and we want you to respond however God's calling to you to respond. Now, you might be here today. You may have watched Sam's baptism and heard these songs and be like, hey, God is doing something in me. I've, I've never thought about him in those ways uh, today can be a, the day for you. You know, today can be the day that your life changes. You could meet him for the first time. And you don't have to come talk to me to do that. You can do that right where you are. 
if that is you, if you say yes to him today, then I would love to talk to you afterwards for sure. There are different ways that we respond here. We have communion over here to your right. Um, I'll say this. Some weeks we run out. Don't read into that. Uh, we, just, that's, we just never know who's, how many are going to show up. That is a, a possible response for you. And so if for you saying yes to Jesus today and in, in whatever that means, if a part of that for you would be to receive the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you, that's, that's there for you to receive that. Um, we're going to sing. You can come down here and kneel and pray. Whatever God is stirring within you, I hope that you will be responsible with it for the next few minutes before we close out. So let's stand together. God, I um, can only imagine what it was like to hear those words from Jeremiah. I'm sure that some uh, were were eager to leave those boastings behind, and some were probably a little bit hesitant, and some maybe didn't even understand what he was talking about. And I pray that more more than pointing out the uh, the emptiness of wrongly placed boastings. I hope that we will really focus on what it, just the fullness of what it means to put you above it all. That you and your goodness have decided and sought it to be a good thing to make it to where we can know you and understand you. And we struggle with that. It's a big idea, but to bring it down to love and justice and righteousness very thankful for that, God. And so in the next few moments as we pray or sing or receive communion or whatever may be going on within us, God, I pray that you would have your way in this place, that we would be humble in our response, and that we would be encouraged to be in a room full of people that are uh, receiving the same call forward, but how that shows up differently in all of our lives. So these next few moments of response, I pray that your, your will would be done, that you would be pleased. We love you very much. We thank you. We pray all this in your good name. Amen.